1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, mo- that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, thanks for the chance to gather this morning freely at the beginning of a week. Lord, just thanks for how you blessed this last year of the ministry at Jam Time. God, I pray you, Holy Spirit, use the impact of the verses of the truth on the children's lives that they would come to know you. Lord, to help us this morning as we look at your word and as we come to your table, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the Meditations of our hearts may they be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We are in our series on 1 Peter. And 1 Peter has been writing and for the first chapter just talking about this great salvation that we have been giving. Now he's moving to more specifics. And he's writing to a group of people who had been scattered. They were um, socially ostracized, financially ostracized because of their faith. Have you ever been on a tilt-a-whirl at an amusement park or one of the saucers where they used to be able to get in there and they could spin the bottom part and it would just spin and spin and spin and spin and spin? And sometimes if you get on there with some kid who was kind of the bully, and be, maybe you were the bully, and all the kids would say, you know, don't spin so fast, but then the guy would love it more and he'd spin it and spin it and spin it until he almost got whiplash in that event. For a lot of people today in our culture, for Christians in America, sometimes that's how it feels with all this news that we hear, the way things are going, the direction things are taking place, and we just get this moral whiplash. Uh, We hear one thing, and it changes. Things are changing so fast, and they've always been changing, but it does seem that they are changing rapidly. And we are in a unique time, I think, in America, where it's ending that Christianity had some type of cultural or political favor. And that's changing. That's not the way it is anymore. That's not unusual. We have been blessed with that for a while. And that's not the way it's been through church history, where Christianity had that type of influence politically and culturally. And for us, it's changing in our society. It's changing in our culture. And sometimes it feels like whiplash. And when that happens, what do you do? I had a friend who was in the military, and he said that when things got a little crazy, a little out of control, what they would do is they taught them to pull back, kind of step back, and evaluate your resources, and then proceed. And that's what Peter is beginning and has been doing for these people. who The people he was writing to a couple thousand years ago who lived in Rome were about ready to face great persecution from Nero, They did not have any political favor. They had no cultural favor. People hated Christians. The persecution was going to get worse for them. The suffering was going to begin. 
Rome was the thriving empire of the world. And they tried to crush Christianity out, but today, Christianity still thrives. So as we go through this, Christians, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be too concerned. We can just trust God in this. But how do we do this? The question that we have to ask ourselves is, what should be our response to what Eric Redmond called this moral whip, whiplash of our day? How should Christians respond to this? How should, how should we deal with this? And what are the resources that we have to address them? And this Sunday, I want us to look at the resources, and the next Sunday, I want us to look at, more specifically, our specific response. So how do we deal with all this change, all this cultural adjustment that is taking place in our culture? What are our resources? And why do we need resources? Peter told these people, and he's telling us, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. The nature of biblical Christianity is mission. That's what, that's what Christianity is. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the whole concept of being a Christian involves you being on a mission because God has always been on a mission. And mission means movement. We were called from the beginning of time, God's been on a move doing something. In the beginning when he created earth, he told, he told Adam, he said, now go, populate the earth, move, be on a mission. And then sin entered into the world and it disrupted that, but God's plan was never changed. And he called Abraham and he told Abraham to move and to go to a different land, a promised Land And so he put God's people have always been on mission. That's the whole nature of Christianity. Jesus himself in the Great Commission said, go therefore and make disciples. And Peter said to these people, and he's saying to us, but you are a chosen race. We were chosen by God. God's great gift of salvation was from God to us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, which means he has called you to put you into motion and to put you on a mission. And he called them sojourners and exiles in verse 11. Beloved, I, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, which is really resident aliens. He's saying, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, then you are no longer just this part of the world. You are a resident alien in the world. You are a sojourner in it, which means you're not going to understand everything that takes place. You're not going to want to be a part of everything that takes place in the world. But the nature of biblical Christianity, the reason why we need to know what our resources are, is because God did not just call us to be Christians and to hold that to ourselves. He calls us and he's calling you to be on a mission, be on the mission of God, furthering his kingdom. Jesus said, go and make disciples, because God loves people. That's our mission. The mission that we are called to be on is people. And the thing that bothers most of us most of the time is people. So we have to learn how to use these resources, because people are what get us frustrated. But God loves people. Psalms chapter 8 that whole psalm is all about how God made man higher than the angels. It's proclaiming the greatness of man. That God says, listen, what I created when I created human, humanity is a wonderful thing. And God loves 
people. So he called a people for himself to gather to himself more people who will worship him. People are not our enemy. When you watch the news and you hear everything that's taking place, and you, you might not disagree with everything, it's not people who are our enemy. We are people. And the only reason that we are, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, not going that way is because you've been called out by God to be resident aliens and sojourners in this world. It's God's grace on you. People are not our enemy, and people are not also to be our projects. Sometimes Christians, uh, we get all excited about sharing our faith because what the Bible says and what Peter says, the whole mission of the church has been all through time is the spiritual formation and speaking the gospel. God created a group of people, gathered them together so they could gather and grow spiritually so their spiritual formation can be deep and then they can then speak the gospel and evangelize and reach other people. But people are not to be our projects either. They're not our enemies. They're not our projects. The people are the mission. And God loves people. And Jesus died for people. And it's people that we need to reach. And the people that Jesus loves, and the people that Jesus died for, are the people that you know. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, your Father who is in heaven. Which is exactly, Jesus said that, and that's exactly what Peter is saying. To live your life in front of people, because you're on a mission for God. You are on a mission of movement to bring glory to God and to help other people come to to know God, to be rescued from their sin. So keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. The nature of Christianity is mission, which is why we need to know what are our resources to accomplish this mission. And you're the light of the world. You're the light of your world. Where you work, your family, your friends, that's the light of your world that you are called to be. So move your light on others. And think of ways intentionally to do that. The nature of Christianity is mission. But the mission of biblical Christianity is damaged without good models. And the reason that so many people today don't like the church, they don't like Christianity, they're okay with Jesus, it's because they sometimes haven't seen good models. And Peter says, listen, you may be disenfranchised, You may not have political clout. You may not have cultural clout. But you are the people called out by God, chosen by God. And you are called to live and be on a mission for God. And people are your mission. So live your life in such a way that what they see is Jesus and the light of that in your world. And model it well. This is why he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. This is why God designed the church. And not only because it's the bride of Christ, but it's the means that God uses to make us better models of Jesus Christ. We need each other to be able to accomplish this. We need each other to be able to see that's what it looks like to follow Jesus that way. That's why Peter was 
writing to this church and saying, stick together in this. And you need each other in this because you learn from each other in different ways through this. Some of you have been unbelievably good models to me for the last 16 years. I am a better Christian because I know you and I've spent time with you and I've watched your lives when you haven't known that I've been watching you. And I said, that's how he's gifted that person that way. That's what it looks like to be a Christian in finances. That's what it looks like to be a Christian in compassion. That's what it looks like to be a Christian as a dad. That's why we need the church. And God designed the church for us to model Christianity and to do it collectively. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It's not just you and your Bible and the Holy Spirit sitting in your room. It's collectively to a whole group of people saying, watch each other, learn from each other, gather together, rub off on each other, because I have gifted all of you uniquely in such a way that as you do that together, the glory of God will be seen and proclaimed to the nations, and people will be reached. We are called to do this collectively, and Peter says do it collectively and do it consistently. Keep your conduct But do it with courage, because people will speak against you as evildoers. Not that you are evildoers, but they will look at you and they'll think, there's something wrong with that guy, and they are, there's something wrong with her. And they will say things and they will talk about you as if you are an evildoer. As if you don't think the same way that they think, then you are an intolerant evildoer, and you might be the most loving person in the world, and you should be if you're a Christian. But the the world will speak of you as evildoers. But he said, even if that's true, may they see your good deeds and make them want to then glorify God, your Father, through that. You have to be it consistently, and you have to do it with courage, and you have to model it well. I think the reason many people have not understood Christianity is because they just don't know good are seeing real Christians who are seeing their need to grow deep in their spiritual formation by being connected to another group of Christians and then seeing their need to share the gospel with other people as part of the mission that they're called on. But it's possible. And when it happens, it's a wonderful thing. And it can happen with children as young as 10 and dads in their 30s. And it's a beautiful thing when it happens takes place of consistency and courage and modeling and, and doing it. Hope Savarine is 10 years old, and one of her projects in her public school was to write a paper about something she wrote about, and she's 10. And this is what she wrote on her, her paper. And you're going to love this. She said this, I was over at Dave and Wanda's this week, and I saw this on the refrigerator, and I said, that's great, I need to read that Sunday. She wrote this for her school paper at school. She says, I'll teach you about God. If you don't know him, you should. Here are what I know and love about God. I know that God loves us no matter what. If we do something wrong, he'll still love us. He likes it a lot when we say sorry and we really mean it. He cares for us so much that he would die for us. I love that about God a lot. You can talk to him wherever and whenever. God loves it when we speak to him and pray. He's our loving father. 
I also love how he watches over everyone at the same time. God created everything except the things the people made. He made all the animals, lakes, hills, and clouds. So he basically made the whole universe. As you can see, God loves us all. Lots of people love him, but some don't. There are so many books on him. You just need to open your eyes and look. That's a 10-year-old being on mission, growing deeper in her spiritual formation, and then speaking the gospel out and being a light in her world. That's what it is. That's modeling Christianity. And where we grow together as a church, where Jason Shaw on a whim from his wife, who said, hey, why don't you write the the Barbie's Buzz this week for me? After working all night, gets up in the morning, Tuesday night, and writes this, and I put it out in the Wednesday Word, but it was good, where we're modeling and we're encouraging each other and showing what it means to be the church. And he says, Jason said, I don't know know how much wisdom I have, but I have made some observations as a father over the years, and so I'll write of these things. Leading my family is a bigger deal than I ever would have imagined. Mostly because they are mirrors of me and my actions. Realizing that has made me change the way I live. I must set the example of what I want them to be to be to become, period. If I do anything that is not honoring to the Lord, my wife or our parents, that is what they will think is acceptable behavior. I've learned that the way I treat my wife is the way my sons will love their wives. And the way my girls will look to be treated by their future husbands. I've also learned to be intentional in trying to set a very high standard for them, all when they begin to seek a spouse. I am blessed as a father to have a heavenly father who has given me the example of how to do all of these things. His word gives me everything I need to know. It's truly a map for your life, so read it and live it. As I close, remember the men and women you want your children to become is the example you need to be. I was encouraged as I read to remember the importance of being a doer of the word. If you find yourself not setting the example you'd hope to set for your family, don't be discouraged. Remind yourself that with the Holy, with the Holy Spirit's help, you can do it. That's modeling. That's encouraging. That's what Peter says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they see, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So when people say, what is Christianity? You can say, come, I'll show you what Christianity is. Come follow me. Come, come, come look at me at my church. Come meet some of the people that I go to church with. Come see the people that I hang out with. See how they treat their wives. See how they treat their husbands. See how they love their kids. See how they work at their jobs. Watch them. Watch me. Could you say that to somebody? Watch me? A couple years ago, D.A. Carson, who's a great theologian, was in college, and he was, had a Christian friend who led a, led a Bible study, and these guys would come to him who weren't Christians, and they would say, hey, I got some questions about Christianity, you know, I want to check some things out. And one guy came and said, hey, I'd like to sit down on your Bible study. I'm checking out all these different religions. I'm going to check out Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism. And his friend, Dave, said, I ain't got time for you. And another guy was there with him and said, hey, um, listen, I come from what people would call a liberal home. You know, we don't believe the way you do. But it's a good home and a happy home. 
My parents loved their children. They disciplined us. They set a good example and encouraged us to be courteous, honorable, and hardworking. And for the life of me, I can't see that you people who think yourselves as Christians are any better. Apart from a whole lot of abstract theology, what have you got that I haven't? And this time, Dave said something totally different. He looked at Rick and he said, watch me. Come and live with me for a month if you'd like. Be my guest. Watch what I do when I get up. What I do when I'm on my own. How I work. How I use my time. How I talk with people. And what my values are. Come with me wherever I go. And at the end of the month, you tell me if there is any difference. That's Christianity. That's what we are called to do when we're called to be on mission. That's what Peter's encouraging these people to do. Could you do that? Would you do that? We'd just say, you know what? You want to know what Christianity is? Come hang out at my house for a month. Come live with us. When you get done in a month, you'll say, yeah, there's a difference. That's the resources that we have. That's why we need each other, because none of us are perfect in that. But we need to say, hey, I want to get together with a group of people who can help make me and help me become more like Jesus Christ. It's an unbelievable gift that God has given us. So he's given us each other and the church. And through that, he's designed it to say, I want a whole group of people who will say, watch us. See our light. Because you're going to want to be a part of it. If you really knew what we had, you'd want to be a part of it. But how do we get the power to be those kinds of models on mission? How are we going to be able to do that the way we're called to as the people of God? And the way we're able to do that is because of unbelievable mercy. Verse 10 says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy and the love of God is meant to humble us. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And what we deserve is not this great salvation that God has given us. We didn't deserve Jesus dying on the cross for us. We didn't deserve his grace. I was listening to a guy preach this past week, a a new guy I just heard about. I clicked onto his message, and I was following with him all the way. It was a good message, and I was like, yes, yes, yes. And then he came to a point, and he said, listen, he goes, sometimes Christians need to get away from the elementary principles, like it says in Hebrews. And sometimes we just need to get, uh, we need to go past the love of God and the grace of God. And then I lost him. I said, no. We don't need to get past the love of God and the grace of God. That's how you get the power to be the people of God. That's the gospel. The fact that Jesus Christ lived and died for us on the cross gives us the power. The fact that we can know that God loves us unconditionally, that he took our sins, is what gives us the power. Romans 1 says it's the gospel is the power of God for salvation, for our own spiritual growth and for other people. We can't get past the grace of God, and we can't get past the love of God. When you really know 
And to the degree that you know the love of God in your life and the grace of God in your life, that's when you're going to say, I can be a person of mercy. I can model this because I see what Jesus Christ has done for me. You, you see that we naturally are broken and our foundation needs to be broken. We, we couldn't do it on our own. We needed somebody else for us. That's what the love of God shows for you. The mercy of God is seeing that all of us is spiritually bankrupt and all our moral efforts are like filthy rags before God. Yet, in Jesus Christ, God provided a righteousness for us. God rescues us. And mercy, when you think about it in your life, when you think about what Jesus Christ has done for you, when you understand deeper and ask the Holy Spirit to wake you up to the gospel and that mercy, what you're going to say is, you're going to find that mercy, when we fully see it and develop it and understand it, it's going to transform you and it's going to motivate us, even in the difficult struggles of a day at work, to embrace our privilege as people of mission. And we're going to want to model it. We're going to want to do it because we want to see, I'm not worthy of this great salvation. It's an unbelievable gift that God's given me. Because of it, I don't have to pretend to be anybody but who I am, which is a child of God. There was a professor at Moody, his name is Winfred Neely. He's an African-American pastor, and he's dynamic and powerful and he had a just a great speaker and his wife they had a church in south holland and his wife was out one day and she was she said something apparently some of the ladies in the church didn't think it was very pastorally wife thing to say and she they said to her well that doesn't sound very that doesn't sound that doesn't sound like a pastor's wife and she said well i am that's what you're supposed to say when someone sees your life and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and they look at your life and say, that doesn't look like somebody who's been changed by Jesus Christ. When you know who you are, your response just is going to be, well, you know what? I am. I'm not perfect. I don't do it exactly how I want to do it. I don't do it always the way it should be done. But I am a child of God. The greatest answer you can say is, I am. And you know why you are? Because of nothing that you did, but all that Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. His death, his life, his resurrection. And so we can just say, this is who I am. And I am this because Jesus is in me and I am in him and he's changing me. So come watch me, live with me. You're going to see flaws, but you're going to see me growing to be more like Jesus. You're going to see me more loving. You're going to see me more caring about people. You're going to see me become who I say I am. And you're going to want to be a person of mercy. And the, way we can, the reason we can do this is we've been called to do it. We're called to be on mission. We're called to be models. And we get the power to do it because of God's mercy. For Jesus said, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Are you following Jesus Christ that way? Are you following Jesus Christ at all? And will you? Light of the world, you step down into darkness. 
Open my eyes, let me see Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with you Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that You're my God You're all together lovely All together worthy All together wonderful to me King of all days Oh so highly exalted Glorious in Yeah.